0: bibles uh turn with us i want to go to the book of isaiah for one scripture the 55th chapter and i'm just going to read this one scripture but this whole chapter is pretty amazing the sixth verse the sixth verse says seek ye the lord well, he may be found. We'll call you upon him. Well, he is near. Seek the Lord. Well, he may be found. I think there's a time, Jesus said this there will come a time, a day when you'll look for the Son of Man, you won't see him. The presence of the Lord is something that we seek after in, in this church, in this body. And, and we're not satisfied. with just going through a service, singing some songs and going home. But we want the presence of the Lord to minister to us. So part of this is seek the Lord while he's near. This is the time. This is, this is the gathering. This is the Lord's presence. And so this is when we seek the Lord. Now, I would say with that, open your hearts. Let God just touch you this morning. His word, his word is a light. It's a lamp and a light. Lights our path, lights our way. And so this morning, allow the Word of God just to touch your life. We've been talking about seeking Him out and searching Him out. I want to go there again this morning. Last week, I I had just a, I hope everybody else did too, but I had just just a wonderful time in seeking out the Lord in Psalm 2. We went through Psalm 2 and just found there just David in his anointing prophetic word is just amazing he heard things that other people didn't hear let me tell you why he was seeking the lord when you seek the lord he'll be found we can take that to the new testament not just to isaiah but what, what did jesus say ask seek knock those that ask shall be given those that seek shall find those that knock the door shall be open to them. It's an action on our part. Seeking the Lord's an action on our part. And I know I'm I'm one of the guys that I don't like that term. We're resting in the finished work of, of, of the Lord. Even though I understand that, I understand that we don't pay the price for sin. We know that he does. But but when we when we look at it this way, like I, I'm just I'm just not doing anything. I'll just let the Lord do everything. I think we miss that pursuit in the Lord, which is really on our part, is to find him, to seek him, to search him. And so we do that continually, and we'll do that again this morning. We're going to look at another psalm. Um, The end last words of Psalm 2, Blessed are they that put their trust in him. And then we identified who the him was in that verse. Everybody remember who him is in that verse? The very first part of that verse says, kiss the sun. Those that put their trust in the sun. And so uh, we want to talk about that this morning. I thought about these world events that are happening right now. And there's a great concern. Everybody's talking about it, the news. You can't go to the news right now without there being a a whole bunch said about what's going on. And, And so we want to talk about that a little bit too. Lord, we just ask you that your presence, your goodness, that we'd speak an elevated word this morning, not something that comes out of my head, Lord, but something that comes out of your heart. I pray for an anointing upon your word, that there be an understanding of your word as it goes forth, as your word goes forth, as it says here in the 55th chapter of Isaiah, your word goes forth, doesn't come back void, doesn't return back to you void, Lord, but it accomplishes what you sent it to do. And so we ask that your word will get in our heart this morning and accomplish some things in us, do some things in us, and we'll praise you for it. Amen. There's many Christians confused. I think there's been a, a whole line of teaching for the last probably hundred years that has very much to do with the, the Jews and the Christians. There's a lot said about uh, who is God's people, and so I want to touch on that this morning. Who is God's people? And so the chosen people of God, and, and I was a little boy raised up in church, and, and we heard that, the chosen people of God were Israel. That's, that's God's chosen people. And, and so I have friends, relatives, loved ones who like to, to uh, set the time clock of end times um, on Israel and what happens in Israel. Somebody... Had said this a while back. I heard this in preaching that God doesn't do anything in the church before He does it in Israel first. And and I'm just like, you know, I begin to think about this and study about this years gone by. But but it is just on us right now. This this war that's going on. I don't know if we're going to be sucked into this war. It's hard to say uh, what's going to happen. But there's there's people that now they're they're, they're setting. Uh, pen to paper, write new books again. I'm sure John Hagee Hagee has wrote a new book at every one of the last wars that's going to happen, and he's got several of them. You can buy them, but they're old now. this is the end, this is the last war, then let me assure you of something. The nation of Israel has been fighting the Jews since they crossed over into Canaan. Oh, excuse me, not the Jews, the the Palestinians, since they crossed over into Canaan when Joshua led them in. They started the fight then, and it's never stopped. So if it escalates or de-escalates or there seems like peace, that, that really doesn't put to rest anything between them. They say there's no way to cause peace between those nations, and I believe that. It's going to take a really, really smart man to do it. There's not anyone smart enough that when one group wants to annihilate another group, there's no one smart enough to intervene in that. You can't change people's hearts. But when we look at this, this idea that God's people are the Jewish people, I'm offended at that. I'm going to tell you right off. That's an offense to me. because we are so closely tied to Judaism. Now hang on, listen to the whole thing. Don't draw an opinion yet. We're closely tied to Judaism. But basing end times and what's happening and all the prophecy, end times prophecy, having to do with this Jewish nation, that's a belief that Jesus' kingdom and His church are secondary. The Lord said, one thing I'm going to do. One thing. I will build me my church. He makes so many comments about Israel and them rejecting Him. He says things like, your house is left desolate to you. He says things that make us to believe that When he came, he was not received, the cornerstone who they rejected. But the church is built upon that cornerstone which they rejected. Either Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Lord, he's either God and King and Lord or he's not. The Jewish system does not receive Jesus as Lord. Now, I know this just really, like, doesn't settle with us very good because we've always been taught these are God's people. Let me read to you just a couple of settings and so that you can draw some conclusion on your own here too. Our Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua Jesus, he said in Matthew eleven twenty seven, No one knows the Son if not the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father if not the Son. And then John, who was there with him, when he spoke those words, John repeated basically the same thing in his first epistle, second chapter and 23rd verse. Everyone denying the Son does not have the Father. And the one confessing the Son possesses the Father. Now, I'm not going to go to that sermon again. We, we preached that in the last couple of weeks, Father and Son. But God in spirit, God in flesh, Father and Son. But it is a fact that if you don't have Jesus, you do not have Yahweh God. No. So you make a determination on who's God's chosen people. It's the ones who have kissed the Son. Can you say amen? It's those who have received Him. He came to His own, His own received not, but as many as received Him, He gave to them the privilege of becoming the children of the Most High God. Amen. Those who receive Jesus as Lord. Those who receive Him as their God. So these current events going on let me tell you this, God does not have two orders of religion. And I'm, I'm, I'm bucking the American preaching system in doing this. And we're just a little church in the middle of nowhere. And, and uh, we're not going to affect anybody. But we're going to preach how we see the Scripture and the truth. But, but there's not two orders of religion. He doesn't have a chosen people who don't know Him and a chosen people who do know Him. In fact, Ephesians 2 says Christ broke down the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile and now there is just one. So whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile or whether you're bond or whether you're free or whether you're male or whether you're female all in all are in Christ and in Him alone and we are His people. Come on, say amen. So, but, but we have to realize, and, and I don't discount this, that we are Judeo-Christianity. That connection. We can't erase that Judeo part because our roots lay in Judaism. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... They don't figure into our belief in Christ, but they carry the mantle until Christ comes. The Lord brings in a people so that He can usher in the Christ. And so they are those that God has chosen. They are those that God has called Abraham. God called him. God, God anointed him. God gave give blessing to Isaac. Jacob and his sons and, and the children of Israel and Moses and the prophets and, but it was all to bring in Christ it wasn't about that it was about Him Not about an Old Testament. I'm not working in an Old Testament this morning because the Old Testament had a God of an Old Testament and a Jesus of a New Testament. But I'm working here this morning in Christ. I'm found in Christ. I'm not found in an Old Testament covenant. I am in a New Covenant this morning. Jesus said, My blood I give to you in a New Covenant. So an Old Covenant does not suffice what I need. And he said, Amen. But yet, our roots are there. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles were Jews. Oh, yeah. The early church was Jewish. The scripture was written by Jews. And so we have the roots that bring us back to an Old Testament time, but we don't live there. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So we don't throw an Old Testament away. We just don't live there. We live in a new covenant in Christ Jesus. But but yet it's there. And what is it there for? I thank God that I have a Bible this morning. I just, I wonder and have wondered, where would we be if we didn't have the Scriptures? The scripture is so valuable to us. It is, it is, it's it, it, it just a record of what God did and, and, and a record and revelation of, of what was to come and who He is. And I thank God for the Holy Scriptures of God. And so we go back and we resource out of the Old Scripture. I said this last week, and let me say it again that Paul was persuading them by the Old Testament that Jesus is the Christ. We persuade you all by the New Testament that Jesus is the Christ. But Paul had to teach the Jews that Jesus was the Christ out of the Old Testament. And so he did that very well in established churches. Now, I want to say this one thing. We were talking about this the other day is that Judaism was exclusive. And God's name was exclusive only to the nation of Israel. There's nothing else going on in the rest of the world when God is working in those people. The tabernacle, then the temple. There is no other place of worship on the face of the earth. God's presence is at the temple. If you're going to find Him, you've got to come to the temple. He's not working out in Africa somewhere, in other places. It's all exclusive in the temple. So, we take all these Jews and we put them together and then we, we get to Christ and then we know that, uh, that he, he died and was risen again. But I want to touch on Pentecost real quick because Pentecost is important to us. And let me say this to the Pentecostal people. It's not important to us so that we can speak in tongues. And, and I am not against speaking in tux, tongues under the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit of God. I've just seen a lot of it that's under the inspiration of people. I don't want that. But let me tell you something that happened on the day of Pentecost. Not only did they come out of that room speaking in languages or... Listen, it wasn't unknown tongues that they came out of that room in, but it was languages that names them of the proselytes that were in Jerusalem in that day They come out speaking their language. Now, if you look at this thing, it wasn't just for them. But those people are going home. Those people are taking the gospel with them to all of these nations. So in other words... It was exclusive to the Jew. God only worked there at the temple. He worked through the high priest. He worked through the sacrifices. He worked through the prophets. He worked through the seers. And they were all Jewish. But at the day of Pentecost, I'm so glad, God busted it open to the nations. And so you and I, no matter what you speak or who you are, what your background is, it doesn't matter what your heritage is this morning, the church is for you. The work of God is for you. The believing in Christ is for you. And you then become the chosen people of God. And so I want to say that. Uh, that Listen, whatever happens out there in, in Israel, and whether they win or whether they lose, it is not going to affect the church of the Lord Jesus Christ whether that country is completely annihilated, if they are successful, if the Palestinian world is successful in killing every Jew, we still know that Paul said, he asked this question, who is a Jew? And then he answered it. He said, you and I who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got this faith. Amen? And I just wanted to touch on that because we are going to go back to David. The writer, would you go back with me? to the eighth psalm and i want to talk a little bit about this eighth psalm i'm looking for jesus in the old testament i'm looking for him revealed to the new testament people but we see him there hallelujah the first verse you can just follow along, if you would, in your, in your scriptures with me. I'm going to jump back and forth into the New Testament a little bit. I'll probably need some help. So, um, the first verse of this, uh, I've got to get my glasses on. My grandpa's old Bible is a little fine print for me here. So, the first verse, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens the Hebrew it says it this way Yahweh Adonai Oh God Yahweh our Lord how excellent is your name in all the earth oh hang on a second he must be foretelling because the name of Yahweh is not in all the earth is only in the Jewish system. No one else knows His name. He reveals Himself to Moses. He reveals Himself to the prophets. But in the earth, He's not known. So this very first verse must be prophetic. That His name... I'm going to tell you something right now. This Lord that we're talking about, this Yahweh, this Nu. How excellent is His name in all the earth. I love this. You can't go to a country where Jesus hasn't been. You can't not find some believers in every country across the world. How excellent is His name in all the earth. And so everywhere, I I just feel that. That, that God is so pleased for those that are serving Him in every single country, in every dialect, in every tongue. And I like that. I connect that with that. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And maybe, let's just look at it this way. Maybe not every single person in this instance, but every single tongue and dialect. There is no dialect that hasn't been exposed to the name of Jesus Christ. How excellent is His name in all the earth? Maybe Peter in Acts 4, let's let's just connect Acts 4 where Peter says, to the Jewish high priest council concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He said, there is salvation in no other one, for neither is there any other name under heaven, having been given among men, In which we must be saved. Hallelujah. We don't go to the nation spreading God. They already have God. Go to India and try and spread God. They've got a million of them. Go close to us. Go down to Mexico and try and spread God. They've got their God. They've got their Mary. They've got their other idols, their things. We don't spread the name of God. We spread the name of Jesus Christ. Because there is salvation in no other name. There is no other name. Under heaven, given among men, whereby you must be saved. And so why would we preach anything else? Why would we go out trying to preach another name? Trying to promote another thing? There's only one salvation and there's only one name that you can get that salvation in. And that is Yeshua Jesus, the high and mighty name that is above all names. Thank you, Lord. In verse 2. And I'm just going to pick out. There's only nine verses in this, um, this psalm. So this is astounding. This is astounding. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, and thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Now. I'm going to take you somewhere in Scripture that's exciting. Matthew 21. Matthew 21 is what they call Jesus' triumphant ride into Jerusalem. He's at the end of his ministry. Um, This is the last time he's going to go to Jerusalem. He is in in Bethany. Um, He will ride down the mountainside into Jerusalem and go into the temple. Now, this is one of the great highlights that I think of in the ministry of Christ. I was studying this some time ago and I found that the Gospels which tell us this story, I think all four of them relate this, but when it said that the multitudes were great, that were worshiping. Now we've got to set this up for a second. All the Jewish men are compelled to come to the Passover. That's one of the three feasts that they're compelled, and that's why so many men were there from different nations, proselytes, and they were there until, until Pentecost, is because Passover Pentecost and um, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles was a three-feast. That they had to appear at. So now, look, on the mountainside around Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives is really the only place where they could inhabit for the feast. Josephus said that during this feast, Josephus, the Jewish historian that was compelled by Rome to give a record of what happened during this time, said there was over a million people in Jerusalem. In the surrounding area, when Jesus begins to come down the mountain, now this is thrilling. First of all, he says to the, says to his disciples, "Go over into such such village there, and you're going to find you're going to find a donkey and a colt. Bring them to me." Now I'm going to say something that that seems going to seem strange to you. You you probably haven't heard before. When they brought the donkey and the colt to him, Matthew 21, read it yourself, they put blankets, coats, on top of both of them. This is this is strange. He rode both of them down the mountain. The Scripture records it. Matthew recorded it. He was there, so he would know that he rode both of them. Now, get this. Visual in your mind. Here's a man straddling a donkey and a colt. Now, a colt could be up to three years old. So the colt wasn't a little tiny thing, but Jesus is straddling this. This is according to Matthew. This isn't me. This is Matthew. They put the coats on top of both of them, and the Lord is straddling. I'll, I'll, this, this beautiful picture came into my mind. He's going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And he's on the old, and he's on the new. There's an old covenant that's going to go away. But there's a new covenant that's coming very, very shortly. Behold, Israel, you'll see your king riding on the donkey and on the foal. The colt of the donkey, here he comes. Why did he ride a donkey? I don't know other than maybe it was a signal of his kingdom of peace and reign and rule of peace and of righteousness. But as he crests that hill and begins to come down, you know, they're tearing down branches. They're putting it in front of him. They're throwing their coats in front of him. But the scripture says that the multitudes begin to praise him. Now again, there's a million people around Jerusalem. Can you imagine what this sounds like? It began to take off. We were yesterday in the company of 50,000 people. And when they score a touchdown, it is deafening. But I want you to multiply that by many times because the Scripture does refer to this as the multitude, the major multitude of everybody that was there. The major part of them was singing Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. I want you to know it was ringing so that the priests down at the temple wondered what in the world is going on. Jesus is entering his final descent into the temple. This is awesome. Now he's in the temple. Now he's turning over the tables. Now he is chasing the money changers out of the building. One of the gospels said he made him a little whip. And he dared them to come in. This is my favorite picture for those of you who haven't heard this already. You probably have a hundred times. I've seen a lot of pictures of Jesus, a little long-haired guy, and he's got him a sheep and a halo over his head. But I haven't seen the one where he's standing there with a whip a little bit of sweat coming down his brow because he's already chased them all out of there. And he's like, come on in. I just dare you. haven't seen that picture yet. Throwing the tables down. And now Pastor Rodney, this was beautiful. He brought this out. I'll tell you what, when you see a real man, the children aren't scared. When you see a little fake phony man, the children should be scared. Um we, we we admonish our men to stand up and be men like Jesus, and when he got done chasing them out. And when he cleaned the temple, and he said, you're a bunch of thieves. You've turned it into a, to a den of thieves. And, and now they brought the blind and the crippled to him. And he began to lay his hands on them and heal them. And now the little children come. and They weren't scared of him, that man that was turning everything over. Because they trusted in him. They knew him by his word and by what he had done. And now the little children are coming. Know what the children are saying? Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Our king, Hosanna, the son of David. Really what they were saying in effect in our words is that Jesus is the king. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one. And now the high priests come out and they say, shut these children up. But I like Jesus' retort. He said, haven't you read that out of the mouths of babes, and we're going back to to the Psalm 8, out of the mouths of babes and out of the mouths of children, God has perfected praise. I want to tell you what perfect praise is this morning. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus is the high and mighty. That is the perfect praise that Jesus was talking about. David just had a glimpse of it in Psalms 8, and the Lord refers back to it, said in the mouths of babes. And so now let's go to to, uh, verse 3 and 4 in Psalms 8, verse 3 and 4. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? you got to connect some dots right here. God is going to visit mankind. And I would even plug in here myself what is man that you would visit him as the son of man? And it was God in 1 Timothy 3.16. It was God who was manifested in flesh. God, why would you be mindful of man? I'm going to say this morning, it's more than mindful. He bore your sin. He bore your guilt. He bore your shame to a cross. He took the sin of the world, past, present, and future. For those who believe in Him, there is a cleansing. We sang about it this morning. There is a fountain filled with blood. It's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And those who are plunged beneath that blood, they lose all their guilty stains. That is the visitation of our Lord. That's the one who came down. And David is predicting this. What? Lord, why would you visit mankind? Jesus turned around and said to the Jews, you missed your day of visitation. But to those who believed in the visit of God, whoa, we have found life and newness in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to finish here. I'm not quite done, but I want to finish in this last few verses. I don't want to read these these last four verses. For thou hast made him lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor and thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands and thou hast put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, Yahweh, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So I want to switch here and uh, get out your New Testament, if it's in your same Bible or, or uh, if you have an iPad or whatever. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Because the revelation of what David just said is going to come to life in Hebrews. The second chapter Let's start at the first, fifth verse. For he did not put the coming world under angels, about which we speak, but one fully testified somewhere. <laughs> I know where it is. In Psalm 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that you look upon him or visited him? You made him a little less than the angels. Isn't this a direct quote from Psalm 8? You crowned him with glory and honor and you set him over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. For in putting all things under him, he left nothing not subjected to him. But now we do not see all things yet being subject, subjected to him. There, there are still those who will come to judgment. Verse 9. But we do see Jesus crowned with glory and honor, who on account of the suffering and death was made a little lower, a little less. Then the angels, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for every son. For it was fitting for him because of whom are all things and through whom are all things, bringing many sons into glory to perfect him as the author of their salvation through sufferings. Now, David says this. You can take it as creation if you want to, that thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, but you put all things subject to him. I think yet there are things that are not subject to mankind in the animal kingdom. I mean, I guess we could, we could kill every shark, every lion, every predator, maybe in some way, but this isn't a reference just to creation and mankind. This is a reference to the one who would be made a little lower than the angels. And when this thing is all done, everything will be subject unto Him. The will of man is still out there. There's still still people that that are doing their thing, rising up against God, shaking their fist in His hand, or shaking their hand in, in His face, their fist in His face. And there's those who deny God. There's those who challenge Him. They're out there. But in the finality of this thing, everything is going to be subject unto Him. And so what David is saying way back in Psalms 8, and what he's seen by the Spirit is Jesus, who was a little lower than the angels, but He is crowned with glory and crowned with honor. The book of Hebrews does this explaining for us about this issue because we haven't heard the name of the Son. The first verse of the first chapter of Hebrews said, "God, in sundry times and divers manners, he spoke to the fathers of old, but now He has spoke to us in Son, but it does not reveal who the Son is, and we have the brightness of his glory, we have the radiance of God, we have the essence of his character we we have the, the 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 power of his word upholding all things and we know that he purged us from our sins and when he had purged us from our sins he sat down in the place of majesty on high but we still don't have a name we just have a son. See this this is what David had he just he just had a son he couldn't quite get there he saw he saw some things but but the full revelation was not exactly there. And then, then the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, Thy throne, O God, speaking of the Son, Thy throne, O God, will last forever. You are Lord. And he goes on and on to uphold this Lord and Savior and this God, our Jesus Christ. But he reveals Him down here in this ninth verse. We see Jesus. Pastor Ronnie preached a few weeks ago at the conference. There's only one thing to see, folks. There's just one to see. There's just one to honor. Somebody said, who will you see when you get to heaven? Well, there's only one express image of God. There is only one who sits on the throne. Can somebody say amen? There's one who is the majesty on high, but we see Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, David, for predicting this. Thank you that now we understand we can look back and say he was made a little lower than the angels. But what for? Why why was he made lower than the angels? Why in Philippians did he say he emptied himself? He didn't walk this thing as God in the earth, he walked it as man in the earth. He was not elevated above the angels in the earth. But he took this thing, and I like it because he said, because he needed to show us that through his sufferings, he's one of us. And then he says, I'm not ashamed to call them brethren, and I will declare the name of Christ in the church. Listen, Jesus did it that way so that you and I know that he was a man, that he struggled that he wasn't we we aren't faced with anything that he wasn't faced with we we he has has come against temptations and been tested like we are but yet without sin but yet we see Jesus in it all we see him the supreme one we see him the one who was man he was flesh but yet he excelled to glory because he he served in God's purpose oh i've come to do your will oh god he said and then the, 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 there's a few more references and I just want to give you these and I'm going to close. The book of Hebrews exposing to us who this son is. David can't expose that. But the book of Hebrews does very good. The third chapter in the first verse consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. The 12th chapter and the second verse, you know this one, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The 12th chapter again in the 24th verse said to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. David would have liked to expose that to us, but the only thing we can see in him is the prophetic word that... That Christ is going to come. But now we can look back and we tie that to our Lord. And it's beautiful because we on this side of the cross can look on the other side of the cross and say they didn't know Him. They only could see glimpses. But you and I have a fullness of a revelation of Christ. And we now know what David saw was about the Lord. Can you say amen? And it's beautiful. So I'm going to encourage you. When you read the Psalms, don't just read them so that it will uplift your, your spirit, which it will. Don't read it for history purposes, but read it looking for Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son who was revealed to us in due time, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can everybody say amen? And so I only have one message for you this morning. And that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 28 years ago when we started this church, I made a little card. And I found some not too long ago. And the only thing I put on there was preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I think we've come full circle with that. I'm sorry, I don't have anything else to preach to you. Oh, there's some other things in Scripture that we could talk about, and, but there is, there is one subject of the church. Somebody say amen. There is just one subject of the church. Young people, we love our young people. They got up here this morning. If I could just encourage you in one thing, find Jesus Christ real in your life. Search Him out. and When you find Him, you're going to stay with Him. You're going to say with him he is the wonderful lord and savior hallelujah would you stand with us this morning god bless you god bless you hope you got something this morning out of the teaching preaching of the word and the lord just minister to us again coming up here and uh, about 1 30 we'll come back in we're going to have a time of fellowship and And it's scriptural, koinonia. We're going to get together and just enjoy each other's company. But we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We've got one honor here this morning, Lord, and it's you. We don't honor men. We don't honor organizations. We honor you, Jesus. You're supreme. You're supreme over this church. You're supreme over your church. Lord, throughout all the nations, Lord, where your name is named, you're supreme. God, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. We ask you, oh God, that you just bless now our fellowship, our time together, our food. Lord, and just sanctify it before you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone.